tonight, we're eventually going to talk. Oh, this is a real pleasant subject. We're eventually going to talk about temptation, but just, just bear with me. It's going to, if we even get there, so just hang with me. So we're just going to be talking. Guess what? You know, when you ask the kids, you know, what, you know, any question down in the elementary, the younger ones, you know, uh, if they don't know the answer, they put their hand up anyway. It, and, and their answer is usually God or Jesus. They figure they're pretty safe. Any question, no matter what it is, God or Jesus is a pretty safe bet for the kids. And they're willing. Anyway, it's usually not the right answer, but occasionally it is. You try as a teacher to ask questions that, that God and Jesus are not the correct answer. But anyway since they are the answer for everything for us. Amen? All right. Well, you know, I, I remember uh, when I was a college student, we went down to a Missouri football game, a carload of, of people from the University of Nebraska, and, and we, uh, we went down to Columbia, Missouri. And if, if you don't know these roads, this may not make as much sense to you, but just bear with me. Anyway, we, we drove to Columbia, so it was a, a late day game, so we didn't get out of there till late, and it was dark by the time we left, and I have no idea who was driving, but when we got to Kansas City, you know, we're, by then we're tired, and whoever was driving saw I-35 and got on that. Oops. <laughs> I-35 goes this way, and I-29 comes up to Omaha, and or you can cut over and get to Lincoln, right? Well, so uh, we were just driving along and talking and laughing, and some of us were sleeping, and somebody saw a sign that said 20 miles to Des Moines. <laughs> and you're like, how did we get here? <laughs> well, I think sometimes in our spiritual walk, sometimes it's like, okay, how did I get here? I think there's a song by For King and Country but that's the first line of the song. How did we get here? Yeah, because sometimes, sometimes we don't know how we got here. You know, I, I was listening to a dear brother talking uh, recently, and he was talking about struggles he was facing, and he was talking about feeling condemned, and he was talking about, you know, sin consciousness and feeling like God was mad at him. And I, I was sitting there thinking, I remember feeling that way. I felt that way for a lot of years. How did I get from there to here where I don't feel like God's mad at me anymore and I'm not walking around conscious of sin and what did I do wrong and, and not feeling like the least spiritual person in the church even though, you know, you don't, you know what I'm saying? I always you thought everybody in this church is more spiritual than I am. I believe that. But how do you get from there to wherever you are? Are. Well, one day at a time, in case you didn't figure that part out. You know, God's at work in us, isn't that right? Both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. He's just at work. And the more he works, the more we, we're making progress. You know, I, I, I used to feel like uh, I didn't uh, make much progress. And there was, there was a, a, a speaker who actually has uh, been here, and his name slips my mind. But he, he did a sermon on... on uh, on writing down your uh, goals and your plan. And so he said every year, every first of the year, I sit down and write down what I want God to do this year. And, I, and he goes, and then you'll be shocked because when you put that away and you get it out a year from now, you won't believe how many of those things God took care of because God took care of them and you forgot about them and you have a new list now. And so you're not even thinking about that old stuff anymore. And, and you know, I did that and he was exactly right. Like 90% of the stuff had already happened. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize God was at work in me. I didn't realize he was doing stuff. I didn't see it. I was completely unaware of it. I was just like, nothing ever changes. You ever feel that way? Well, it's not true, because I'm telling you, if you're seeking God, stuff is changing. But whether you, whether you uh, realize it or don't realize it, down at Ramah, uh, they have the age groups. They have married Sunday school or school of the Bible classes. Then they have single school of the Bible classes. And I remember when I got old enough, I was still single, and I got old enough to go to the 36 to 55 class. I did not want to go to that. But my cousin, who was also single at that time, uh, her husband had passed away. She's like, let's go. I'll go if you go. And I'm like, well, I'll only go if you go. So we decided we were going to go. Well, anyway, we get to this class, and I thought this is just going to be stupid. 
and this is going to be, pardon the expression, a meat market. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, this is stupid. It's going to be a bunch of people desperate to get married, and uh, this is not going to be fun. But it wasn't like that at all. It was the leaders. Well, you all have seen the leaders of that classroom because one of them grew up in Omaha, and they come to Omaha frequently, and they come to church whenever they're up here. But Robert and Linda Carr, but anyway, point being is that 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 in that class, this is one of the things that gets said. You know, here we are, we're 36 to 55, or it was more like 36 to forever, but we won't, we won't go there. But, 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 uh, but this got said, and, and this is so interesting, I think. It's like none of us in this room expected to be here at this time. There's not a person in that room that thought they'd be single at 36 to 55, they, or forever, whatever you want to yeah. call it. Nobody thought that. Okay, see, stuff happens. Life takes some sharp turns. It takes unexpected curves. Okay, and I don't have to ask how many of you have had an unexpected thing happen in your life that kind of threw you. Now, I don't have to ask that because that's all of us. That's just life. If that hasn't happened to you, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not being a person of no faith. That's going to, all right? And, and it probably just means you're way young if it hadn't happened to you already, all right? So, you know, the idea isn't that that God's, you know, not taking care of things. He is taking care of things. But, but without him, we'd all be in trouble, I'm telling you. You know, the, the, I, so I was, after this gentleman was talking to me, you know, I was just thinking, wow, God's brought me a long, long ways. But how do I get from, how did I get from point A to point B, you know? There's a verse that says the goodness of God leads us to repentance. You guys know that one? But that's not the only thing the goodness of God leads us to. You know, if you think about that. You know, God's goodness leads us to peace, it leads us to wisdom, it leads us to healing, to maturity, leads us into self-control, really all the fruits of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience. You know, we just keep following him. He's going to get us where he wants us to be. Are we ever going to arrive? Well, I can't answer that question. I can just tell you that I have not arrived yet, Okay. And, and maybe you're more mature than I am, and maybe you've gone further along this road than I have, but uh, I, I know that, that I have not arrived yet. You know, the book of John, the Gospel of John, and we'll turn there eventually. You can turn there if you want to John chapter 4. Uh, the, the, the Gospel of John is the only one that lists the account of the woman at the well. And, and I think there's a reason for that. I think John probably understood the significance of that, and understood the love that Jesus was showing better than the others because, you know, he always talked about love. If you read 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, I don't even know. There's probably, the, the word love is probably mentioned there almost as much as it is in countless other books combined because John just talked about the love of God all the time. But did you ever notice this, that Jesus, when, when he sat down on the well, and, and he, this Samaritan woman came along, and he started talking to her, which didn't happen. And first of all, the Jews didn't associate with Samaritans, and then a man would have never spoken to a woman like that at the well normally. But she, she walked up, and did you ever notice that Jesus didn't start with, hey, I know your life is a mess, and you should leave your life of sin, and then I will give you some living water. <laughs> did you notice that isn't what happened at all? And we don't know anything about her. We don't know if all of her husbands died or we don't really, all we know is she was living with some guy. That's the only thing we know. All right? That's all we know for sure. The rest of it, you know, I've heard people speculate all sorts of things. It's like, okay, uh, I don't know where you're getting that. I, that always, does that bother you all? It bothers me when people start quoting things and saying things that are not at all in the Bible. That bothers me. It's like, okay, you can't. You can't say. I heard somebody say, yeah, she was divorced five or six times. I'm like, and where did you get that? Because <laughs> it doesn't say that in my Bible anywhere. Does it say it in yours? I don't think so. Okay, John chapter 4, starting with verse 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, there's a shock, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. So the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you... Though you are a Jew, are asking me for a drink, though I am a Samaritan woman. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus replied to her, If you knew the gift of God 
and who it is who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And they went on, and he talked to her about how this living water, if she drank it, she'd never thirst again, and finally she goes, give me some of that. All right? But nothing was said about her living situation. Nothing was said. He didn't say, if you straighten up, I'll give you. Did you notice that? He didn't say that. You understand that that's how a lot of us see God is that, well, you know, some people, well, I can't go to church. I'd have to do a whole lot of changing and straighten up a whole lot of things before I could darken those doors. No, no, that's not how it works. See, he just takes us right where we're at. And, uh, you know, the Bible says in James 2 that mercy triumphs over judgment. Isn't that right what Jesus did right here? Mercy triumphed over judgment. She was, she was a person that no other Jewish man would have talked to. And yet, he had so much concern for her. And she went and got the whole town, it sounds like, and brought them all out. And, and pretty soon, they're having revival there. All right? But, but Jesus didn't, didn't make any stipulations for any of them. Well, you guys can't come until... No, it wasn't like that. He's just like, come. Come drink. The, the, the straightening up part happens later. You know, I, I, I don't, I, you know, you don't sit down and say, okay, now, if you want to get saved, you got to do this, 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 this. Okay, no more drinking and no more smoking and no more running. No, it, none of that's there. And, and you know, I, I, I think, well, you're just giving people a license to sin. Well, I don't think people need a license to sin. They seem to do it without one, you know. So I don't, I'm not sure that really helps, you know. The, the, the Bible calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. That is in, if you want to put that in your notes, it's in Revelation 10. And it says, I heard a loud voice starting, Revelation 12, starting with verse 10, sorry. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down. The one, listen to this, the one who accuses them before our God, day and night. Apparently, the devil has very little to do except accuse you and accuse me. And, and not only that, he's doing that to God. But that's not how God looks at it. That's not how God's coming at us, is it? Has he ever just started out there with you? No. I can tell you that right now. Because that's not who he is. God's not a God of condemnation. The Bible says there is no condemnation or those who are in Christ Jesus, doesn't it? So, so, you know, the accuser comes at you accusing. You understand that? He's also called the tempter, isn't he? And, you know, he throws a temptation at us, and then he accuses us and shames us for the thoughts that he threw at us. That's exactly how he does. You know, he makes you feel bad for what he did. I mean, he's very good at it. And if you want to feel bad, you know, we can wallow in self-pity and wallow in sin consciousness and wallow in guilt and shame Till, you know, on the country farm, we say, till the cows come home. You can do that if you want to. But that's not God doing that to you. You understand that? That's not him doing it. He doesn't. He said, he's the one who said mercy triumphs over judgment. You understand that means mercy is over judgment, right? So mercy, mercy wins. If there's a contest, mercy wins every time. Every time with God, mercy wins. With people, usually the other way around. People are... are uh, are quick to judge and slow to show mercy. Am I wrong about this? Y'all are looking at me funny, so you better stop. All right. You know, in, in 1 John uh, 3, 8, the second half of that verse, it says, for this purpose, I love this verse. It's like, I, this, this would be, this verse, if it was the only book in that whole chapter, or the only verse in that whole chapter, I'd be happy. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, or the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Don't you love that? That's why he came, guys. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, that doesn't mean uh, just globally or between the nations. That means in your life, in your situation, in your job, in your family, in your world, in your neighborhood, in your life, God came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, we don't know how often or how much the devil bothered Jesus, but the devil definitely tried to bother Jesus. 
Turn over to Luke chapter 4. We're going to look at the temptation of Jesus. I told you we were going to talk about temptation, didn't I? We'll talk about the temptation of Jesus for a minute. See, then we don't have to talk about the, I don't have to talk about the temptation of me or you. It's just better this way. So we'll look at, at Luke chapter 4. And it's also in Matthew chapter 4. If you want to look over at that one, I may pull a couple of those verses in. But we don't know how often the devil tried to bother Jesus. We do know about the temptation of Jesus. And we know that one time, wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to have been Peter that day? No. Uh, that day when, when Peter was rebuking Jesus and said, no, no, you're not going to die. And Jesus looked right at him and said, get behind me, Satan. Be like, mm. <laughs> yeah, that would not have been a good day to be Peter. But anyway, um, that's all right. He recovered. It's okay. But, but my, my point is, is, so we know that the enemy was bothering Jesus that day, Right? But mostly I think Jesus bothered the enemy. You know, he's going around, the Bible says, you know, about he went around doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. So the devil's trying to make him sick and Jesus was making him well. So that's good. That's a good thing. Amen? So we look at the account of the temptation of Jesus and, um, and verse 1. Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. I want you to remember that right there, full of the Holy Spirit. He had just been baptized, and the Holy Spirit came down like a dove. I'm not sure what that means, but uh, I'm not sure that they actually saw a dove like they did on the TV show I watched. But anyway, they may have. I don't know. Anyway, now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led, and, and that, that word is, is like a quiet led, like a nudge, like the Holy Spirit talks to you and me. Interesting, isn't it? Led. And you see that word around? That's in italics in my actual written Bible, which means it isn't there. I just think that's so weird. Led around. Led around. That's like sounds like he's going in circles. No. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And, and Matthew 4, that account of the temptation of Jesus, said Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness specifically to be tempted by the devil. Well, that wasn't very nice of God, was it? No, actually. You know, uh, if, if there's two teams that are playing football and one of the teams doesn't show up, that's not a game. You understand that? There's no confrontation there. And, and I'm not saying that, that the devil is a game, but you understand that if there's going to be a confrontation, it does take two. They both, both parties have to be present for there to be a confrontation. And so Jesus, as he was beginning his ministry, had to confront the enemy. And, and that's exactly what he did. So, you know, now let's back up here, though. Before we go on with that, that is not to say that God did the tempting here. You understand that. God didn't tempt Jesus, right? We know in James chapter 1, in verse 13, it says, God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. Boy, I'll tell you what. I've heard more people say they think God's tempting them, or they're, God's testing them, or God's doing this, or God's doing He gets a bad rap. Man, he gets blamed for almost everything. But God's not out tempting anybody. He's not out trying to see if, you know, dangle something in front of you to see if you'll sin. Why, why on earth would he do that? It says he's, he's doing good. And it says he's at work in us both to will and to do according to good. So, so he's not trying to get us to do anything bad. He's not trying to trip us up. He's not trying to trick us. You know, that just, that just isn't who he is. So verse... Let's see, verse 1 of Luke 4 again. Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. You know, I always thought it was a you know, very interesting thing that we're going to take a little side journey here. I thought it was a very interesting thing in, in the Lord's Prayer. Have you ever thought about this? When, you know, you guys know that. You know, Jesus said, pray this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this, our, give us, mwah, this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and do not lead us into temptation. You just stop and go, why did Jesus say that? What does that mean? Why on earth would he pray that God would not lead us into temptation? That bother you? 
That's a weird one. Yeah, now it does. I love that. Like, yeah, now that, now that you, no. Okay, so we're going to skip back over to James a minute and, and listen to this, okay? James 1, chapter, or verse 2 says this. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials and temptations. You know, the, the thing is, is that, that, that when we are walking our way through life, we're going to encounter certain things, okay? You know, today, when I was driving up 120th Street, I encountered a dead animal on the road. And, and being uh, a guy who's spent a lot of time in the country, I did a double take at it when I went by it the first time because I was like... <laughs> and so tonight, when I was on my way to church... I slowed down and got on the right side of it so I could actually see that it was what I thought it was. And I've never seen a badger in the middle of Omaha before, but there's a dead one on 120th Street. I was like, really? How weird is that? But see, I just encountered it. You understand that, 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 that I, I wasn't out looking for it and I wasn't doing anything. It was just there. You know, and, and here, here's God. At work, you know, uh, I, I think I told them myself one other time, uh, and here I go, having to tell on myself the same story again, but that's okay. You know, a few months ago, I was on my way to church, and uh, I, was, I was on, on Blondo Street, about 119th Street, heading toward church, and the Lord spoke to me in words, out loud, in my heart, and said, get out of this lane. And I looked ahead, and there was nobody in this lane that I was in. And this lane over here had like eight cars in it. And I didn't do what he said. And about four seconds later, somebody changed lanes and bashed right into my car. Do you, do you understand that I encountered another car here? And do you understand that God, you know, think about this. God will not let me blame them. Even though they drove into me, he will not let me blame them because he told me what to do and I didn't listen. It's not their fault. It's my fault. I don't like being blamed for stuff. I don't like stuff to be my fault. But do you understand that Lead me not into temptation. Don't lead me into trouble. No, see, he's going to do just the opposite. He's going to try to lead you out of trouble if you'll listen. Y'all don't have to. I, I'm not going to ask, how many of you have failed to listen to the Lord? You know, I'm not going to ask that question. All right, put your hand down. I don't want to know that. No, see, see, he, he's trying to lead us. He's trying to lead us out of trouble. And, and he will, he will, he will, if you ask him to, he will help you stay out of trouble, you know? You'll be going, you know, he will, you know? I, I, I used to pray this uh, uh, over kids that I worked with. I'd be like, Lord, somebody taught me this. I thought this was so cool. So then I was praying it for kids. I pray, I call them Teflon prayers. Lord, make them like Teflon. Uh, the, the bad kids don't stick. They just, they, just, they just wipe right off and they don't hang around. And, and you know what? You pray that way for you. You pray that way for the people you know in your world. You know, Gloria, you got kids. Pray that way for your kids. You don't, want the, you don't want anybody sticking to them that doesn't belong there. No, no, you don't want that. None of us want that. So, you know, when, when Jesus is praying there, he's like, God, lead us in such a way that there's no temptation, there's no problem, there's no injury, there's no death. You know, you know what? You know that time when you're sitting there in the car and you're, uh, have you ever done this? I've done this. I've been get, about to get into the car and go into a store. And right here, don't. Yep. Be like, okay, do you know why he didn't want you to go in? Now, if you get sensitive to him and you become more spirit conscious, he'll lead you. And, and I'm telling you, maybe there's somebody in there with COVID you don't need to be around. Maybe there's, the store's going to get held up. Maybe, you know, I've had this happen. I go, yeah, I just did this recently. I, it's so embarrassing to tell you all this. Uh, you know, I, the Lord just, I, I, I was like, needed to go buy something. And, and the Lord uh, was like, go to such and such a store. And I'm like, I don't like that store. And it's too far away. I'm going to Walmart. And they go to Walmart. And, of course, yeah, they're out of it. So I'm like, and you tried to save me from wasting my time, and I got in the car and drove over to the store he told me to go to. Guess what? 
Yeah, they had it. So, you know, see, he, he's just, he will help you. He will try to get you going where, you, this happened to me when I, uh, you know, I, I, when I was children's pastor down in Tulsa, I, I would have to buy, I did, a, I did a, most of my anything crafty the teachers needed. You know, if, if I couldn't order it, I'd just run over to Hobby Lobby and get it. And I needed, I needed, okay, get this, I needed styrofoam, you know, those little styrofoam airplanes. That, and and they, they made some really nice ones, pretty solid styrofoam. You know, they fly and everything. They're pretty cool. They probably don't fly like Jay's jets, but they fly, okay? So... So anyway, in case you didn't know, our head usher's a pilot. He flies jet. I don't know what kind. Jet with wings. Anyway, <laughs> pretty sure of that part. Past that, not a propeller. It's actually, actually a jet. Anyway, uh, so I needed styrofoam jets. And, and the Lord, right here, go to Michael's. I'm like, God, I don't like Michael's. I don't like that store. I never can find anything there. So, no. And so I went to Hobby Lobby. Of course, they didn't have them. Went to Walmart. They didn't have them. Thought, you know, he told you to go to Michael's. It's like, okay, I'm out of time. I don't have time to go to Michael's. I walk in Michael's right there. You know, in the aisle. I, I don't know if, I don't know how Michael's, I don't know. I avoid that store. Anyway, I shouldn't say that on live stream, should I? Oh, well. Anyway, right there, right, in, you know, and they've got these boxes, like, just, you know, in the aisle of stuff they're trying to get rid of. Yeah, styrofoam airplanes. There was like a big, huge pile of them for really, really cheap. See, <laughs> God knows me. He knows that I don't want to spend a whole lot of money. You know, so we're going to encounter a lot fewer troubles and a lot fewer t temptations and a lot fewer problems in our life if we just listen to him. So it's okay to pray that way. That's why Jesus is like, pray. For all, you know, for all you need, for anything that you want to have happen right in your life. You know, Brother Hagin said this. He said, we frame our lives by the words we speak. You know, so start talking. Lord, I need help today. I need to find groceries at a better price than, you know, candy bars for a dollar a piece. I need, you know, six for a buck. Lord, you know, help me out here. Or whatever you need. I don't know what you need. But anyway. All right, Luke chapter 4. You still there? All right, Luke chapter 4, verse 2. And Jesus ate nothing during those days, and when they had ended, he was hungry. Imagine so, 40 days. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. Verse 5 says, and he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I read that. I had a real problem with that. I was like, what do you mean led him? You mean Jesus was led by the devil? Really? That cannot be true. Now, if you look that word up in the Greek, it just says the devil brought him. All right. So it's, we can live with that. But I was like, what do you mean? Anyway, no. He brought him, took him, or went with him is what the Greek actually says there, to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and in a moment of time, and as we keep reading, the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I will give it to whoever I want. Therefore, if you will worship me, it shall be yours. And Jesus replied, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You know, when I was growing up, I was taught that Jesus wasn't actually tempted because he was God and man, but he wasn't actually tempted because he was God, and therefore he couldn't have been tempted. Okay, do you understand that is not true, right? Because, because first of all, back before that, we read that the Holy Spirit was the one who led him to the wilderness. What, for what purpose? To be tempted, right? You know, do you remember when Jesus got baptized? Let's just back up a little bit. When he got baptized... Uh, John's like, whoa, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. You're the son of God, and I'm just John, and you should be baptizing me and not me baptizing you. And what did Jesus said to him, say to him? It was something really interesting. He said, no. He said, you need to baptize me because I have to fulfill all righteousness. 
You know, the Bible says in another place that Jesus was tempted. He was tempted in every way that we are. See, he had to endure temptation because if he hadn't endured temptation, he wouldn't be able to say he experienced what we experienced and he wouldn't have fulfilled all righteousness and he had to do it. So the Holy Spirit led him to do what he needed to do to accomplish what he needed to accomplish for you and for me. Praise God. He was willing to do it. I wouldn't have wanted to see the devil. Thank you very much. I don't know who it was. can't remember which one of the great evangelists. It may have been Wigglesworth. He woke up in the night. The story is told. And was it Wigglesworth? Somebody's nodding, so I think it was. And he woke up in the night, and he saw somebody in his room. And he looked over and saw it was the devil standing in his room. And he went, oh, it's only you, and rolled over and went back to sleep. <laughs> now that is somebody who understands who they are in Jesus. That's somebody who gets it. Because he ain't nothing. All right? He has been utterly and completely destroyed. But anyway, we'll keep going here. Uh, there's one more then. Um, verse, uh, well, I could probably see it if I had my glasses on. That would probably help. Verse 9. And he, the devil, brought him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will, the devil's even quoting scriptures, he will give his angels orders concerning to protect you, and on their hands they will lift you up so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. In verse 12, Jesus answered and said to him, it has been stated, or it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So when the devil had finished every temptation, he left him, you see this, until an opportune time. In other words, he was going to wait around just to see if Jesus was at a weak point or a tired point or a point where he had too much going on. Hello? Sound familiar? You think that's not what he was mean by that? Yeah, he did mean that. All right, but look at verse 14. Can you look up the screen and just read that? And Jesus, read it with me. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. How did Jesus start this out? You remember that? Look back to that. That's just the way he started. He started in the power of the Spirit, and he finished the temptation in the power of the Spirit. You see that? Now, that's good news to all of us. You know what? That's all we need to do. That's what we need to hang on. See, he started good, and he finished good, and, and yeah, that is what we want. That's what we want to see. So let's... Let's just take a look at some more things here. You know, I think because, because you know, like uh, uh, Hebrews 4, turn over there. We mentioned this, but I want you to see, I want you to put your eyes on that one, all right? Hebrews chapter 4, don't know for sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. Ryan, I heard him say Tuesday, some people said Luke wrote it, I've never heard anybody say that. Uh, lots of people think the Apostle Paul wrote it. Brother Hagin said the Lord said to him one day that Paul wrote it, but I wasn't there, so just taking his word for it. But probably Paul. I think it sounds most like Paul. But Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest. Jesus is our high priest. That means a representative between God and man. Jesus, where we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things just as we are. Do you see the next one? Yet without sin. Therefore, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What's our time of need? Well, in this verse, when we're being tempted. That's our time of need. When we're being tempted to do something that we know isn't good for us, we know isn't right for us, or it's not right for the other person or the other people or the situation, we're being tempted to do something that isn't right, all right? But, but God, Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses, okay? He gets it, all right? Isaiah 41, I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will lift you up with my right hand. See, see he gets it. He's not stupid, and he's not mad. See, that's what I always thought. He was just mad. Because, I don't know, I grew up with just this sense that the whole world was mad at me. 
And, and when I got old enough to know anything about God, well, I just figured he'd get in line, and he was mad at me too. So, so I believe that with all my heart. And, and so the only one who could fix that is the one who wasn't mad at me. You understand that, right? But he was at work, and, and he got me from point A to point B. And, and that's what he's doing with you, and he'll strengthen you. You know, I think, have you ever, have you ever listened to somebody that, was doing, was caught up in something that you used to be caught up in. And it was, it's almost like talking to, it's almost like not real. Because I'm like, yeah, I barely remember what you, I've been there. I did what you did. But I, I barely remember that because God's brought me so far through that. You know what? No matter what your current circumstances, no matter what your current challenges, and you have one, I know you do. Down the road, you're going to look back and go, Wow. God brought me through that. God brought me through that victoriously, and I have moved on, and wow, I barely remember that. You know, and, and that's the way, and you know, when we get to heaven, you won't remember it. So, because the Bible says there's not going to be any shedding of tears there, you know. We're, we're not going to be crying. He's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. That means we're not going to have anything to cry about up there. I'm ready for that. Anybody else? All right. So, so you know, I think... In, uh, in Deuteronomy, I'm just going to read a couple of verses. You can write these down in your notes if you want. Deuteronomy 20, verse 4 says, For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. Deuteronomy 31, 8 says, The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And, ver- and Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, God is all about getting you the victory in every situation. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're being tempted with, no matter how you're being drawn towards something, and, and we all can be, all right? You know, the Bible talks about, you know, we'll, we'll get to that maybe, but, you know, it talks about, it talks about how we get drawn away by our own desires and our own lusts and our own whatever on the inside of us, and that tempts us. That's our weak area. But Pastor Tony says this all the time. Think about it. If, if we're a 99 and something, God's our one to make 100. If we're a one, he's our 99. You know, he'll fill up the gap and so that, that we can be strong and walk this thing out because he's all for you. He's not against you. You understand that? Romans 8. You know, if God be for us, who could be against us? You know, he who gave his own son, what else is he going to withhold from you? He was willing to do that, nothing. See, he's not going to withhold anything from you, all right? So, you know, I'm, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a big amplified Bible guy, you know? Um, I, I'm more of a get to the point and stop beating around the bush, so... The Amplified Bible is much too wordy for me. Uh, I remember when, when, when I got married and my wife pulls her Bible. I think you had an Amplified Bible at the time. I was like, great. Just, just, don't, just don't read me anything out of that, all right? But listen to this. John 16, 33, uh, they can put, I think, the Amplified Classic, I think they can put that up on the screen. John 16, 33, Jesus talking here right before he went to the cross. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. Look at this. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Did you, did you notice that Jesus moved on from his time of temptation? It didn't deplete him, didn't shake him, didn't distract him. You know, the, the enemy, he, he wants you to feel bad about the fact that you felt tempted. All right? That's what he really wants. He, if he can't get you to sin when he tempts you, he just wants you to feel really, really badly that you were ever tempted, you were ever tempted in the first place. All right? See, he just, he just, he's an expert at making you feel bad if you're willing to let him do it, but I'm encouraging you to just tell him to shut up because he has no authority in your life. He has no right, and, and, and uh, 
And Luke uh, chapter 10 says that, that he has given you authority over all the works of the devil. So his noise, his nonsense, you have authority over that. And you have the right to tell him to shut up and go away. You know, I, I think that uh, there's reason to believe, you know, or there's, there's a reason, rather, that Jesus spent more time talking about life and abundant life and redemption and love and healing and heaven and salvation than he did talking about how to deal with temptation, all right, because he just wants you to move on, hello? All right, you know, some of us are so sin conscious that we're just stuck. Have you heard Pastor Tony say this, that sin consciousness keeps us in the loop and keeps us repeating the same thing and, and pulls us back into sin again. You know, it's just time to just let it all go. It's time to let it all go and move on. This is what the Lord said to me. Uh, you know, I, I'm growing. I'm a young guy, and I'm growing in the Lord, and I'm learning, and, uh, and, and I'm super, every time I messed up, I get so angry at myself. And I'd get so frustrated. And here's what the Lord said to me. He said, your sin is a moment. Wow, I can hardly say it. Your sin is a moment in time. And I thought about that. I thought, compared to all of eternity, this was one second. And I made a bad choice. And, and the enemy would love for you to just wallow in that and sit there and feel bad forever. He would love that. If he, would, if, he, if he could just get you to continue thinking about sin, that would be make his day. You understand that? But think about what God said to me. It was just a moment in time. Time to move on. And I thought, wow. That was revelation to me. I was just like, wow, all right, I can do that. All right? Well, you know, what are we supposed to focus on? Our new life in Christ? Are we supposed to focus on the past and what our life that's quickly fading away? Trust me, you know, it feels like yesterday I was 20. I am not 20 anymore. I am nowhere near uh, 20. But, you know, but I remember those days. That, like I said, talking to that young man earlier uh, recently, uh, you know, I, I, I know what it's like to feel trapped in a sin. I know what it's like to feel like I'm messing up all the time. I know what, that's, I know what that feels like. But which, which is greater, God or my sin? Well, yeah, we know the answer to that. So, you know, I, 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 remember, I, I remember when I was a kid, um, my, mom, my mom would talk to us about spiritual things. I have two brothers. She'd talk to us about spiritual things sometimes. My dad rarely talked to us about spiritual things, but he loved the Lord with all of his heart. But, but my mo mom said something one day about her sinning. And, I, and I, I was a kid, you know, I was like, what could you do to sin? I was like, now I understand. But, um, <laughs> but at the time, I thought, you know, I'm the kid who's always getting spanked here. I'm the one who's always in trouble. I'm the one who, you know, who, you know, may have helped themselves to more cookies than they were supposed to. And I'm the one who punched my brother in the eye. And I'm the one who threw the softball through the garage window and, you know, what could my mom have done, you know, but, but, yeah. Uh, turn on, <laughs> you know, it, God is greater than anything that's going on in your life. You know, we can get very overwhelmed by stuff that's going on. I understand that. I'm not criticizing anybody who feels overwhelmed by stuff. Uh, life can be overwhelming, but, but I think, what, uh, and you don't have to turn there, but in John 10, Jesus said this, my sheep listen to my voice, voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will. Now there's perspective, guys. It's not gonna matter in eternity. I, there's not one problem you're facing that's gonna matter in eternity. It's all just gonna be like, well, yeah, that was not good and that's way behind me now. And now I have everything else to look forward to. But Backing up, see, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. You know, Keith Moore, uh, if you've ever listened to any of his music, he has a song, just greater, it's called greater, and he just sings, he is greater, greater, my Father is greater than all. I just love to sing that because he is greater than all. 
He's greater than any problem, any person, any situation, any job problem, any financial problem, you name it. He, you know, those things are a nuisance and a pain and difficult. Relationship problems, those, those can be the worst. Relative problems with your you know, family, those, those things can be rough, but God's greater than all that. They're not anything he's not greater than, and it's not, nothing, he's not surprised by any of it. I mean, he likes it, but he's not surprised by any of it. You understand that? Turn over to, uh, turn over to uh, Isaiah chapter 43. You know, God knows the beginning from the end, the Bible says. You know, God looks at time like we look at a table. You know, he sees the beginning and the end, the whole thing from beginning to end. And, and none of it surprises him. You know, he gave us a free will so people can do things that hurt us or hamper us or affect us. But he's greater than that. And he's at work helping you and at work strengthening you and at work making things work out so that you can get through it and past this. All these things that you encounter in life. You're going to encounter stuff. Jesus said each day would have trouble of its own. I say that every time I'm up here because you need to be aware that he said that we would face challenges. But I, I remember, <laughs> this was so funny to me, and, and some of you have heard me say this before, but that's okay. The Lord wants me to say it again, so that's okay. Verse, chapter 43 of Isaiah, um, but now, thus says the Lord, starting with verse 1, your creator and he who formed you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. Well, what's redemption? We're redeemed, right? Jesus paid the price. He redeemed us from poverty, from sickness and spiritual death, the Bible tells us, that, that he took those things on him at the cross. So we're redeemed from those things. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And look at verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You see that? You know, there was a day that I was uh, sitting at a lunch, um, sitting at lunch, and the Lord spoke this passage to me in words out loud, not, not, not loud so I could hear it, but inside. I mean, he's reading this scripture to me, and I finally said to him, Lord, what is about to happen? Because nothing had happened yet. I'd had a perfectly good day. And, uh, you know, three hours later, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sitting in my boss's office, and he is ripping me up one side and down the other for something that I did not do. And he started the conversation by, no discussion. I was like, okay. And, uh, and off he goes to tell me how I messed something up and how I had done such a bad job. And I'm thinking to myself, yep, the waters are not overwhelming me and the fire is not burning me and I really don't care what you say because I know God's got this and I know he's going to work it out. And I, I, I actually had to work not to laugh because that would have been very inappropriate at that moment. When your boss is yelling at you, don't laugh, okay? That's just some cheap advice. That's not in my notes, all right? So don't, don't laugh then. But, but I knew, God knew, before this all happened, and he was just letting me know, I got you, it's fine. He doesn't know, and he'll eventually figure it out. And you just don't worry about it. So I didn't. But see... If we could look at every problem we face that way, we'd be doing really good. You know, the Bible says that God sits in heaven and sees what the enemy's doing and laughs because he knows the end. He knows how it's, not, it's all going to turn out. He knows what the enemy's doing is not going to succeed, right? We know that. Isaiah 54, no weapon, what? Formed against me will prosper. How many of them are going to not prosper? Yeah, none. Yeah, no weapon formed against me will prosper. So if no weapon's going to prosper, then I don't have to worry about the weapons. Even though I see them flashing in my face, I'm not going to worry about it, all right? Because, because God's got me, and, and I know he does. See, see when we face stuff, we, uh, we go from, it's, it's like, <laughs> oh, I don't want to say that. Okay, fine. Anyway, y'all know I'm not very, uh, I, you know I'm not real good with electronics. You guys know that. All right, so if you were to ask my wife, which we will sort of do right now, uh, how long does it take me to get frustrated with my computer? 
about a half a second. Yes, about that. I, 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 I don't know what to do with it. And if I don't know how to solve, now there's a lot of things I do know. I can do some word processing. I can, I can put a poster. I did one of those posters out there in the hallway. I put that together. I mean, I can do a few things. But, but I mean, I use clip art. You understand I didn't make the clip art part. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I better not. Yeah, anyway. I'm not that artistic. Trust me on this. But anyway, my point is, is, is that I can do a few things, but if I run into something that I can't do, uh, it, uh, the first word out of my mouth is either, either Leanne or Ryan. Ryan's office is right down the hall from mine, fortunately. Be like, Ryan! And Ryan, who just ducked down behind the sound booth <laughs> so that no one would stare at him. Even though, anyway, Ryan is, is my help when it comes to electronic things that are a challenge for me. But see, see, God gets it. He knows that we go from zero to 100 with overwhelmed and frustration with some situations and some people. Isn't that right? But you know what? We don't need to do that. And, and we need, what we need to do is look to him. All right? And how did Jesus handle situations that came in his face? When the devil got in his face, what did he do? It is written. And you know what? Here's what I've learned is that if I will check down in my spirit man, when I need a verse, it's like, okay, God, here's the situation. I need a verse. And he will give me one. All right? He will give me a verse so that I can speak to whatever it is because we form, we frame our lives with our words. We've all heard that. We know that. But, but I am the one who gets to decide how I'm going to handle it. No, I couldn't. I don't have any control over this. This is my family. This is No. You have absolute control over it, and you get to decide how you're going to do it. You know, we, my, my, uh, we had a recent thing in my family, and, and I was looking at the text chain, and I could tell that, that some of the family members were very, very upset about what was going on, and deep down in my heart, I had perfect peace. Well... Is that because I'm just so wonderful? No, it has nothing to do with me being so wonderful. It has to do with me walking with God and walking with God and walking with God and just knowing that he's got it. And I, I, can't, I can't fix it and I can't worry about it. There's no reason to worry. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Didn't he say that? And I've said this before, but I'll say it again. The reason he said, don't let your heart be troubled, because from his perspective, with the, all of eternity, there is absolutely no reason for you to let your heart be troubled. And you're like, no, you don't know my situation. Yeah, I, I don't have to know your situation to know that there's no reason in the big picture for you to be troubled about it. You just need to cast your care in the Lord. Well, I can't do that with this. Okay. But you know what? God said you could. And if he said you could, let's see. Do I believe you or do I believe God? Well, we're going with God. All right. So, you know, I get it, though. Trust me. Things are, I, don't misunderstand me. Some things are very hard to let go of. Okay. I know that. But I do know I can do it because I've done it over some really hard things. I've just, you kind of have to kind of take yourself by the back of your neck and go, I'm going to do this. I'm going to let go of this. I'm going to trust God. And you know what? Uh, well, we'll get to that in a minute. I'm running out of time, which is just amazing, but that's okay. Um, you know, pastor says Ryan makes that clock go fast. I didn't know it was Ryan's fault. All right. You know, I, th I think that, that as, as we grow in God, as we walk with him, as we get stronger in him, it gets easier to deal with some things. But some things are never going to be easy. They're going to be very deliberate on our part that we're going to handle them, that we're going to turn it over to God, that we're going to trust him to help us, that we're going to look to him. But if we don't look to him, that's when we get in trouble. I'm, I mean, I've done that. Have you ever done that when you've been tempted or been in a situation? It's like, no, I don't, I, I, you know, we can just harden our hearts and just do whatever we want, and God will let you. You understand that, right? Because you are a free person. You have the freedom to be whatever you want to be, but that means, you know, we have the freedom to follow him. You understand that? And, and so as we do that, you know, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, we know that one, right? You know, no temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the tempt temptation also make a way to escape. That's really good. 
all right? Every temptation that comes your way, there is a way out of it. Whether you see it or don't see it, it's there. If you don't see it, it's because you're not looking for it, all right? Just ask him, God, I don't see it. Help me see this, all right? I'm going to read the same verse out of the New Living Translation. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You know, so all the weird stuff we've been through and all the thoughts that cross our minds, and, and we thought we were the only one, and we were too embarrassed to talk to anybody about it because we thought, wow, I don't want anybody to know that I'm thinking that or I've been through that or I did that. You know, all that's just nonsense because this word says so. No temptation taking you except what is common to man, all right? Tony Cook, he's going to be here in a few weeks. Uh, if you saw his poster out there, he, he is the head uh, or he used to be the head of the Rama Ministerial Association over all the Rama pastors, thousands of Rama pastors. Uh, I remember him saying this one day, you know, and Doug Jones is currently the head of it. And Doug Jones is also, I, I guess Doug's going to be here before Tony. But anyway, I've heard them both say this. They get phone calls from pastors. Well, you've never heard this one before. <laughs> I'll bet you've never heard this. And they tell him their story and... And, you know, Doug's like, yeah, only five times this week. But anyway, you know, because, because guys, we're all human. We're all the, I mean, yours is going to be a little different twist than mine, but we're, we're all in the same boat together. We're all dealing with stuff. And we need each other to help each other. You know, there's a verse in James that says, confess your sins to one another and, and pray for one another that you may be healed, you know? And that doesn't mean that you just go spill everything to everybody. Please don't take out a billboard. Don't put it on Facebook. Okay, I don't want to know. All right, not that much. But, but here's the deal. If there's somebody you need to talk to, talk to them, all right? There was one day I, I was torn up inside. I was hurting. I was hurting so bad I didn't know who I could talk to. And, uh, and uh, I, I was struggling. You know, we've all been there. And I, I finally said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I've thought of about 10 people I could call, but I don't know who to call. I have no idea who to call. I need you to have somebody call me. That was bold, wasn't it? About 10 minutes later, my phone rings. Are you okay? No, I am not okay. No. Well, I was working, and the Lord told me to call you, and I said, well, when I'm done here, I'll call. And the Lord said, no, now. (laughs) So they called. And then I knew who I could talk to about it. And I I needed that. I needed that person to to help me at that moment to be strength for me, to, to, to support me, okay? So we're not in this alone. You know, we're not, we're not hang, hung out to dry. You know, God didn't abandon us or leave us. No, no, no. No, no, no. Th- that woman at the well, she needed somebody, so Jesus went to her. All right? Don't you love that? Did he beat her up? No. He just went and talked to her. Told her how she could get on track, how she could get some living water that would make her life new and get her going in the right direction. You think about that. That's what he wants for us. That's what he wants for you and for me. He is all about, he is all about getting us on track and getting us where we need to be and, and working out his will in our lives. And he does it step by step. And he does it with the Holy Spirit inside of us. And he does it with us helping each other. And he does it with us being a part of a church family and a body and blessing and encouraging each other. There's a scripture that says, encourage one another daily. Why is that? Well, you may think, well, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think Pastor Tony needs any encouragement today. Yeah, you don't know, do you? Do you know what he's been through today? I don't mean today, today, but you know what I mean. You don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you've been through or you've been through. You know, I, I mean, I know a little bit about my wife, what my wife's been through today, what her day was like. She, she, she may have had a challenging day, but, but the point is, is that, that, that I don't know most of you, but you know what? If the word says that we should encourage one another daily, we should be about encouraging one another and being a blessing to each other. Because you don't know what somebody else is dealing with. I can tell you that. I, I've, I, uh, a friend of mine, uh, 
his, uh, his son, uh, one, of his, one of his kids passed away um, at about age 17 and uh, got some kind of cancer and, and, and passed away. And uh, I, I went, after I went to the funeral, and after the funeral, I, I, went to, uh, I went out to eat with some of my friends who had also been at the funeral, and, and we went to the restaurant. And there sitting in the restaurant was this family whose son had died. And the kids were all there, his brothers were all there, and, and the mom and dad and some of the other relatives. And they're, they're laughing and joking. The kids are all laughing and joking around at the table. And, and you understand what I'm saying? They're just being kids, and the family's just, everybody's just talking away to each other. And because, you know, it's family, and they haven't seen each other. You understand? And, and so they're, they're, if you didn't know, if you were the server, you wouldn't have known they just came from a funeral for a kid. You don't know. See, we don't know what people are going through. And so, so that's why we need to encourage one another every day. That's why we need to be there. When somebody's going through a hard time, we can be strength for them, all right? We can, you know, the Bible says that we are to bear our own burdens, but it also says we're supposed to bear one another burden. You know, we're not devoid of responsibility, but we're also supposed to need each other. That's how God built the body. That's how he designed the body. That's how he put us all together. That's why he led you. If he led you to this church, he led you to this church for a reason. Because there was somebody here who needed you and somebody here you needed. So, so let's learn to walk with each other, to encourage each other, to be a blessing to each other.